strong values and strong opinions. The Mike Broomhead Show, KTAR News, 92.3 FM, and the KTAR News app. so much for being here. Uh, final hour of the show for this Monday, and I appreciate you spending part of your day with us. Um, we are going to do Did You Hear This coming up in a little bit, 1120. We do it every day. If you're new to the show, thanks. Uh, we catch you up on all the major headlines. I'm sure this will be in there. Former President Trump um, is going to face a court tomorrow. He will surrender. Uh, will not be any handcuffs, but he will be in a courtroom where he will be arraigned, and we will then find out what the charges are against him. There is one report, CNN reported through a source that there could be up to 34 charges that the former president will face. Uh, the one that people are talking about the most that seems to be the, the charge that's forthcoming is where he wrote a check to a porn star named Stormy Daniels. And if he wrote it out of an appropriate account, the Trump campaign or his personal account, the former president said there was no relationship with this person. And he wrote this check out of a personal account or out of a different business account so that he could spare his family embarrassment. The accusation is that this was to cover up this news because he was running for president and he didn't want to damage his chances of being elected president. So the check should have been written from campaign funds. Because it was to protect his presidential campaign. That is the crime that they're accusing him of in this regard. Are there other charges? I don't know. Um, But uh, I want you to hear just a couple of different takes on this. Jay O'Brien from ABC says that Trump wants former allies to defend him on this. He's also trying to shore up his flank, talking to Republican allies, making sure that they come out and defend him. A practice we expect to see in the next few days, especially on Tuesday when the former president is expected to return right back here to Florida and deliver remarks after that arraignment on Tuesday. This is seen by a lot of people as political. Here's the ugly part of this. This is the ugly part of politics is that you can pick a party. It doesn't matter. I always I laugh when you because you on social media. Everything is an absolute on social media with people. If you are a leftist on social media, especially on Twitter, anybody on the right side of the aisle is a Nazi, is a fascist, is a criminal, is dirty. So anytime a Republican does something wrong, they pointed out Republicans are this as in all of them, ignoring the past and not the too distant past by people on their side of the aisle. It is something um, that I laugh about because it isn't just politics. Um, I've mentioned to many people's dismay that I am a diehard Miami hurricane. I have been since I was a kid. It's a family thing for me. It's an emotional thing, especially with football. I just love the Miami hurricanes. I always will be a cane. With all due respect to the Arizona schools, I am a homer for professional sports here for Arizona teams, but I brought with me my my love for the Canes, and I will die with that love for the Canes. But it's interesting to hear whenever I would pick on Ohio State fans, because Ohio State fans don't have a real good sense of humor most of the time. I would hear from them about all the criminals at Miami, and then I would just send them a little note and say, here, look this up. I just looked up Ohio State football slash arrest. Now, don't talk to me so much about my school. Your school isn't so innocent. And we all have to admit, whether it's politics or whatever it is, nobody has the corner on purity. Nobody has the corner on being really good people. There's good and bad everywhere. But in this case, 
when you hear the charges on this. Now, what what's going to happen? Here's the difficulty for me and for other people, because I will tell you on the case that I laid out for you about campaign finances, this is a waste of time and energy from this New York DA. But if there is a laundry list of legitimate charges and a pattern of financial misdeeds, how will people approach it? But here's the thing also. Are we asking the question, are these people the best we have to offer? Because I don't want to see a miscarriage of justice. I don't want to see the politicization of our uh, legal system because I'm telling you one of the warnings that have come out from a lot of people is that I think I, I think uh, um the uh, well, Bill Maher was the one who said that, you know, Republicans will try to arrest um, Joe Biden once he's out of office. And I wouldn't be surprised by that either. And the precedent has been set that there you look at what's going on with Hunter Biden and the laptop and his dealings with China and 10 percent for the big guy. You don't think that there isn't going to be a little bit of that there when somebody gets in office. Is that what we want? We've got China. We've got North Korea. We've got Russia, Ukraine and the war that's going on there. We have all of these things happening. Oil prices going back up through the roof. We are seeing all of this stuff happen in our country. And we're talking about this instead of it being about the bigger things in the office. That's part of my issue. You've got the the New York, the district attorney in New York that is prosecuting former President Trump for this is also the guy that isn't prosecuting other cases. And this is what people are looking at. And it isn't just politically motivated people either. So um, Aaron Katursky is talking about the timeline. This is the timeline for tomorrow. The indictment is sealed until then, so we don't know the actual charges. But the grand jury was asked to consider whether Trump may have disguised the 2016 hush payment to Stormy Daniels on his company's books. Once he arrives here at court, Trump is going to be placed under arrest. But unlike most other criminal defendants, he will not be in handcuffs when he's brought before a judge to enter a plea of not guilty. So uh, Americans were polled and this is the uh, how they what's their take on other possible indictments. Forty five percent say that they believe there should be charges in in the former president's handling of classified material. We have a a pretty similar, slightly higher number that supports the idea of charging him in connection with the January 6th attack. That's forty nine percent. So this is the other part of this argument. There are people out there that have this belief that the president is a bad person and there are multiple things that he could be and should be arrested for that are much bigger than this nonsense in New York. And I've talked to people that have this belief that why aren't they talking about the thousands of votes that he was requesting to get out of Georgia? Why aren't that? Why isn't that something that where you're being arrested and charged for tampering with an election with um, uh, again with some of the other things you just heard there January 6th. Now, I'm not saying I agree with those things, but this is what's happening in our country. Is this good for America? And that, to me, is bigger than anything else. I don't have any plans to defend Donald Trump. I never have. Um, I voted for Donald Trump twice. I thought he was a much better candidate, and I still do think he is. A, he was much better than Hillary Clinton, much better than Joe Biden as president of the United States. But the problem is that there's a lot of things that the former president says and does that alienates people. And we continue to hear about a stolen election and we continue to hear and argue about all these other things. And in the end, is this what's in the best interest of the country?
And this to me is a, it's a two way conversation. I thought it was a waste of time and money with all the Russia investigations for four years during the Trump presidency. I think this is a waste of time and effort in the New York DA's office. And I also thought that the audit here in the state of Arizona was a waste of resources and time in the state of Arizona. The way it was handled was handled the wrong way. At what point do we stop weaponizing things against each other? Why can't someone be wrong without being evil? Why can't you just call somebody out and say, I think you're wrong? Never that way. They are evil on top of it. And that that is something that happens way too often. We do something called Did You Hear This? We catch you up on the biggest news stories. That's coming up here next. Strong values and strong opinions. The Mike Broomhead Show, KTAR News, 92.3 FM, and the KTAR News app. All right, all of the big headlines of the day in one segment of our show called Did You Hear This? Did you hear this? Broomhead's reaction to the hottest news stories. Tomorrow, former President Donald Trump will face charges related to a hush money payment to Stormy Daniels. New York City Courthouse is preparing for this unprecedented arraignment. There will be no other court proceedings on the 15th floor here while Trump is inside, and many other cases in the building have been adjourned to reduce foot traffic. The streets around here will all be closed. What are you expecting to see tomorrow? I think that it's going to be a big press event. I think the president, or the former president, is going to uh, lean into this. I think this is going to be something that he's facing head on. He believes that he is going to point out that this is all about politics. His attorneys have already said that at some point, probably not tomorrow, they are going to ask for a dismissal of all of the charges. We don't even know what those charges are. We will find out if there is a charge or charges tomorrow. And I think then from there, it will begin to settle in for the American people as to truly which direction they go in this. And not just the diehards, but the undecided people. Saudi Arabia and other OPEC nations have announced to cut oil production by a total of 1.15 million barrels per day. OPEC looked at uh, a slowdown uh, in global economies and felt they needed to do something. But I I don't think anybody expected them to have a cut going into this meeting. This is a real surprise. How will this impact Arizona's already high gas prices? It's going to be a hurt. It's going to hurt. You know, right now, I think the uh, the average gas prices in Phoenix is at four fifty nine per gallon. Valley wide, it's about four fifty eight or the same amount of money. We know gas prices are more expensive this time of year in Arizona because of the blend of gas we use this time of year. Now you're talking about refinement issues that also had prices a little higher. And now the cost of oil is going up up even more dramatically. So I think this is going to hurt. It's going to hurt often and it's going to hurt for a long time. So this is going to be tough. I just wonder what can be done to offset this since our relationship, our diplomatic relationship with some of these countries is not good. You are listening to Did You Hear This? We do it every day at this time to catch you up on the major news stories. Chris Camacho, the president and CEO of the Greater Phoenix Economic Council, talked with you today about why people and companies continue to move to Arizona. The pro-business approach by Governor Ducey, now uh, Governor Hobbs, the cultivation of small business, and and as you mentioned, this very intentional investment in infrastructure uh, and investment in people and and talent has really put this region in a position to be successful. Will Arizona stick with these policies moving forward? 
I think so. He alluded to the fact that he believes that Governor Hobbs is going to stick with a lot of these policies. Now, the tax thing may be different for her. She may see different things in that regard. But as far as what goes on with industry, it will be it will be determined by who is around her because, you know, they all have advisors. All governors have advisors. Will she stay on the side of business growth and will we continue down this path remains to be seen. But indicators from the Chamber of Commerce and GPEC are saying that so far, yes, she is. And I think job growth is going to be the one saving grace here in Arizona. And I hope it continues that way. A federal district court judge in Lano, Lano County, Texas, issued a preliminary injunction ordering all previously removed books such as Night Kitchen, Perfectly Normal, and others with acceptance of LGBTQIA plus views to be put back on the shelves in the county's library system. Judge Robert Pittman agreeing with the residents suing the county that removing books simply because the government doesn't like the content is a First Amendment violation. Is the removal of books from libraries violating the First it Amendment? Depends, it depends on the books, um, and it depends on what's age appropriate for children. And we understand that you're you're supposed to be over 18 years of age to view porn online. We know people get around that, but it's still the rule. When I was younger, there were books that were deemed pornographic that were held behind the counter. You had to be an adult in order to purchase them. So we know that there are things that are age appropriate and things that aren't age appropriate. But the arbitrary saying that it's just bad, I understand people's concerns. But we also have to use common sense. And that's the one thing in this conversation that it seems like everybody is losing is common sense. I want kids to be protected. Many parents do. And if you look at some of the books that are available to kids in elementary school, they are inappropriate. There's got to be more common sense in this approach and how we deal with it. Great job, Julia. As always, that's Did You Hear This for Monday. We'll do it again tomorrow at 1120. the conversation about banning books, there is a difference between banning books and saying that it's not age appropriate. We've been talking about things that are age appropriate forever. You go to the movies, there's rated G, there's PG, there's rated PG-13, there's rated R, there's rated RNC-17, where's X. We have different things that are graded on what is appropriate for certain age groups. Sometimes it's sexual content, sometimes it's violence, sometimes it's other things. Now all of a sudden, none of that matters. There's video out there, and I'm telling you that people are not crazy. You have to at least give people some credit. This isn't something that just magically appeared. There haven't been parents that all of a sudden just decided, hey, you know what? We're sitting around doing nothing. Why don't we go after the school systems for the things they put in front of our children? That's not the case. There are example after example after example of inappropriate behavior that crosses the line. Just last week, there was another video that surfaced of a drag queen giving a lap dance to a high school student. I don't care if it's a, if it's a woman dressed as a woman, a man dressed as a woman, a man dressed as a man. Who out there believes that's appropriate in the public schools? And if you do, you are in the overwhelming minority of people. We have crossed the line in many cases that has pushed people to say, we've got to have limits. We have got to get back to what are the reasonable things on top of all of that with education we know that there's an issue because kids are worse off now than they have especially in math since the late 1960s with test scores absolutely absurd all right coming up in just a few moments, we're going to get into this economy. We're going to talk about some of the gas prices, but the economy as a whole, because there is some good news. We'll talk about both next.
values, and strong opinions. The Mike Broomhead Show, KTAR News, 92.3 FM, and the KTAR News app. You know, we have an anomaly here in the Valley. We are growing. We are seeing immense growth, $58 billion in, in private investment into manufacturing in the state of Arizona in recent years. We are seeing great job growth. We are seeing great population growth. We talked with Chris Camacho this morning about the Arizona economy and how it has changed. And Chris Camacho is the president and CEO of GPEC, the Greater Phoenix Economic Council. Here's what he said. We have absolutely shifted this region's economy from what we know of the five C's dating back to our inception as a state to now one of the top global hubs for uh, for manufacturing. And that's everything from semiconductors to advanced electronics uh, to energy-related devices with LG Energy, for example, in their most recent uh, announcement in Queen Creek. So Arizona, for those of you that are new to Arizona, we have, we've learned this. You learn this when you move here very early, and I think they learn it in school still when you're young. The five C's. Arizona is known for the five C's. Copper, cattle, cotton, citrus, and climate. There are others that are saying we should add a sixth and chips because of the manufacturing that's here. So Arizona has been known in the past for copper, cattle, cotton, citrus, and climate. Well, still going to be copper. Always going to be. Cattle, it's, a, it's an industry that's not as big as it used to be. Cotton, same thing. We are seeing some reduction because of the urban sprawl in the West and the East Valley. I'm talking about specifically the Valley, not other parts of the state. Citrus, uh, I know and I've heard the stories of parts of downtown Arcadia. The Arcadia area of Phoenix was loaded with orange groves. You can still go out in Mesa when you go out on, on the, uh, the North 202 going east. Um, you run past a lot of the orange groves still there and climate is still the same. But we have seen a changing in this economy. Um, and when Chris talked about the, the changing of what we've done here, I use the phrase intentional growth. The good things and sometimes the bad things, but the good things that happen in your life largely are done intentionally. There are people that get lucky. But if you are going to lose weight, you're going to get in better shape. It's an intentional change in your lifestyle that gets you there. If you're going to save money and you're going to become financially secure, it is an intentional change in how you manage manage and spend your money. Generally speaking, the improvements that happen in your life, in your relationships, when you commit to a relationship or recommit to a relationship, those intentional changes you make are put you on the right path, career, whatever else. Well, Arizona has made an intentional move in what we do with our economy. We talked about some of the um, policies. Here's policies. He talked about this and people moving here because of policy. The pro-business uh, approach by Governor Ducey, now uh, Governor Hobbs, the cultivation of small business. And, and as you mentioned, this very intentional investment in infrastructure uh, and investment in people and, and talent has really put this region in a position to be successful. When you do those things right, you attract people from outside the state and you also uh, spur new business, new small business growth. So all those things are happening here in Greater Phoenix. We had a conversation last week with uh, Dr. Michael Crow from the Arizona State University. There has been intentional changes, and he talked about the intentional changes of how they approach what they do at Arizona State University and how they've won the award. He, we didn't talk about this specifically, but being the most innovative university in the country, maybe the world, but definitely in the country, and uh, how this has happened over and over again for them. And if you look at the immense growth, when I moved here in 1995, and I'm sure he hates when I remind him of this, but in 19. 
1995, ASU was known as one of the top party schools in the entire country. What they've done with the fraternity and sorority system on campus, how they've transformed their engineering program, their school of business is one that is one of the elite schools. Uh, the Cronkite School uh, is is a, an incredible school in which we're the beneficiary of here. When it comes to journalism, whether it's sports journalism or, or regular news, or it is other areas and avenues that these people pr- – uh, pursuing their careers, that school is something else. And so everything they do, according to Dr. Crow, is intentional, that they are going to be the best or one of the best or we're not going to do it. We saw this in the business community. So he talked about the need to invest in the transportation grids. That transportation investment is a dedicated half-cent transportation tax that dates back to 1985. It was renewed by the voters in the early 2000s. And we're at that that additional precipice point where by 2025, this dedicated tax goes away, if not extended. And I would argue, based upon the data we have, overwhelmingly 90% of uh, GPEX locates, meaning companies from outside the market that make these major investments, go within two miles of these uh, major thoroughfares. And that is an excellent point. It's one of the reasons why I have been a champion for these this freeway growth we've seen in Arizona. Uh, the 303 is the most recent that I can talk about in the West Valley. The 303 where it was finished, where it connects with I-17, and it makes its way around west and then south into the far West Valley. There has been incredible growth following that freeway. Um But the issue we have now is inflation and what we can control and what we can't. There are many things in our state's inflation we can't have any control over. The gas prices right now out of our control, although the blend of gas we use could be changed a bit. Um, We are far above the federal standard for air quality and the the type of gas that we must use. We must use. We're way above that. Um, But I just look at the state legislature and there are things that feel good. And there are things that are necessary, and sometimes neither are bad. But the focus on housing and what can be done, and I'm talking about real leadership from both political parties sitting down and coming up with real solutions. What we often see in legislative bodies and legislative action is the bomb throwing. This one throws a bomb and says, we have to do this. And when the other side doesn't, they say, see, they don't care. And then the other side throws a bomb. There are some real opportunities for solutions. And when it comes to zoning, when it comes to reducing the amount of time it takes to get through the process, to get projects with shovels in the ground after a piece of land is purchased, to reduce that cost and especially reduce that time. No one is talking about reducing quality. But zoning and and getting through the systems and this not in my backyard, the nimbyism, not in my backyard. I want it to happen, but it can't happen here. It can't be in this neighborhood. We've got to take a long, hard look at growth. We have done a very good job of managing growth so far. Not perfect. But we've done a good job, better than most, the way the roads are laid out here. Uh, Growing up where I did, the reason why this is such a big deal for me is I grew up in southwest Florida. And there was a huge population explosion in the late 70s through, you know, I would say going into the mid-90s. There was this huge population growth. And it wasn't necessarily managed well. 
And when I look at it now, my hometown, where I, it's a beautiful place. If you want to you invest in an economy with your vacation, go to Fort Myers. It's a great little town. The beaches are starting to get cleaned up, although they have years to go before they're back to where they were. But Sanibel and Captiva Islands are open for business in some regard. But uh, the, the Fort Myers, the southwest Florida area is beautiful. Naples, Florida is gorgeous. Invest your money. Go there on vacation. You'll love it. But the traffic is insane compared to what you see here. The roadway system is not nearly as sophisticated as you see here. But growing up there, I was I was a couple of hours south of Tampa and a couple of hours west of Miami, Fort Lauderdale. And the traffic there is a nightmare. When you still go, I-4 connects um, eastern, I'm sorry, western Florida with eastern Florida. And it goes across from, you know, through Orlando, Tampa, across through Orlando, and then into Daytona Beach is where I-4 goes. And when you get anywhere near Disney, at any time of the day, it's, it grinds to a halt. They have not done nearly the planning and had the forethought that there was here in Arizona, which is really helpful. What we are going to do now and how they are going to plan for the East Valley the far east end of Maricopa County going into Pinal County, what are they going to do to expand freeway systems to make it as accessible in the East Valley as it is now to get out to Buckeye and to places out in the West Valley? Those are going to be keys. And I'm hoping that it gets even better. I'm hoping it gets much better. Um, Coming up, before we close this out, another conversation about crime and punishment and some other things and lessons we should be learning. All that's coming up here in just a moment. Strong values and strong opinions. The Mike Broomhead Show, KTAR News, 92.3 FM, and the KTAR News app. You know, there are a couple of things that go into having a great place to live. One of them is public safety. But I want to go back to something we talked about a moment ago, and that is the inflation being out of control still. Gas prices now are going to skew those numbers as gas prices are going to go up nationally. They're already very high in the valley, expected to go higher because of gas prices. Here's the headline. Trigger for Saudi oil production move, which is the reduction by one million barrels a day, along with OPEC nations. Uh, was the comment that the U.S. will not fill the SPR, that's the Strategic Petroleum Reserve, this year. The Financial Times reported, citing people familiar with the Saudi Arabians thinking, that Riyadh uh, was irritated by the comment. In any case, it came off, uh, came on top of stress in the financial sector that had dragged oil prices as low as $64 per barrel in March. Uh, the question now is the degree that OPEC will follow through with its pledge. So I just want to mention that a lot of times when I talk about policy, you have intentional growth and policy that we have seen, in my opinion, is excellent for Arizona. The policies of the previous gubernatorial administration, along with the legislatures that they had to work with, had policies that were pro-business, we are reaping those benefits. It takes time to build that momentum. We are seeing the opposite in policies from the White House. That's just my opinion on why I believe that Joe Biden is not a good president. It has nothing to do with him as a human being. I don't know the guy. I have no personal axe to grind with Joe Biden. But he is getting an F grade from many people, including people in his own party, for the way he handles problems. And so far, it hasn't been good. So the other side of this with great communities is safe communities. If you want a great community, I would like to see 
here's what I think we could do in poor neighborhoods. I think we should do in working class or poor neighborhoods. We need corporate investment to make those neighborhoods better. There are good people. So when you hear about South Phoenix or you hear about Maryvale or you hear about some places in Sunny Slope, the idea that these are bad neighborhoods isn't true. There are bad elements in those neighborhoods. But there are very good working class people that have been in those neighborhoods sometimes for generations. And they deserve a safe neighborhood too. You need uh, banks. You need hospitals. You need grocery stores. You need access to those things in all neighborhoods for those neighborhoods to be thriving. If you think about where you live, do you have schools? Do you have grocery stores? Do you have banks? Do you have these things that make your community stronger? And the answer should always be yes. If you live in a neighborhood where you have one grocery store and it's not a very nice grocery store, ask yourself why. Um, I think there needs to be enticing corporations to invest in certain neighborhoods. It will drive up property value. It will drive out crime. But a lot of places will tell you, look what's happened in L.A. Look what's happening in Portland. Look what's happening in other parts of the country. You have grocery store chains. You have um, a Cracker Barrel saying we're out. We're leaving because of the crime. Well, you see those good, strong corporations leaving and taking their investments with them. That is when a a community goes into disintegration. But if you want a community to grow and become stronger, you have to entice investment in those communities. Move those businesses in there and then protect them. Part of it are the safe streets that come along with it. We need a police department in every single city within the sound of my voice. Town, county, all of it needs to have the opportunity for safety. A police department that is aggressive in going after criminals and a prosecuting department that is aggressive in prosecuting those crimes and putting people away if they need to be put away. Separate dangerous people from society. Give them an opportunity at rehabilitation. Punish them for their crime and separate dangerous people from innocent people. That's how you make neighborhoods better. I'm not reinventing the wheel. I'm not, I'm not, I'm sure I'm not giving you a revelation here that you haven't thought of yourself. But I would like to see the parts of the valley that are lagging behind in growth. I would love to see those parts of the valley share in this great growth that we've seen. So how is it then? What would be next? If I were part of the legislature, if I were the governor, I would be asking that question. Look what we've done would be what I would say as a state. Look what we've accomplished. Look at the Far East Valley. Look at the Far West Valley. Look at the north part of the valley. Look at the investment in industry we've seen in those big blank pieces of land. How do we get some of these businesses to invest in the inner city parts? How do we get a rejuvenation in Sunny Slope? How do we get the same thing? The Arcadia area, homes built in the 1950s, some of the most expensive land in the valley is in the Arcadia area. Because it's grown in beautiful neighborhoods, but it's had investment and real investment in that community. When do we get that or how can we get that in other parts of town that are losing it? I think that's a valuable conversation. It's profitable for many people. It's beneficial to the people in that neighborhood. And it gives people an opportunity of prosperity. I'd love to see that be the next phase of what we do here in the Valley. All right, we are just about out of time. If you're a social media user, here's how you can reach me. At Broomhead KTAR is my personal Twitter handle. So if you get anything on there you like or dislike, it's me. Please give me a shout out. 
out. At Broomhead Show is just the show page. Update you on what's going on and guests and otherwise. Mike Broomhead, all one word on Instagram. I love to stay in touch with people in between shows, and those are the ways you can do it. The show begins just after 8 a.m. Thanks for spending part of your day with me. I hope you can do it again tomorrow. Until then, God bless. Thank you.